You are listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Tomball, Texas. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org. Please turn in your Bibles to Galatians 6, beginning in verse 11. And today we finish Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. And so our series comes to a close. His magnum opus against legalism is ending, but the battle against legalism isn't over. You still, after this Lord's Day, will still have to battle and wage a war against legalism in your heart, in your mind, in your circles, your friendships. You have to fight the drift. And you have to fight the drift of license too. These are the two poles, legalism and license. God, license, just sitting, doing whatever you want. It doesn't matter. God will forgive you. Listen, God really does care about your holiness rooted in his grace. That's the whole battle of this book. The place of effort in the Christian life. Our effort, our good works, do they make us righteous before God? Do they give us a right standing before him? Do they seal our salvation? That's legalism. Or maybe they don't matter at all. Doesn't matter. Do whatever you want. That's license. And Galatians helps us avoid those two extremes. Brothers and sisters, our effort and our works, our choices, they matter. But they don't save us. They show we're saved. And Paul wraps up that message to the Galatians and to us with a final warning and a a final encouragement. And I think it's really bundled into a message that us in the Bible Belt desperately need. We need to know the difference between phony religion and real Christianity. And knowing the difference between phony religion And real Christianity, it will change your life forever. And I really do mean forever. For eternity. So as we do every week, if you're able, let's stand together for the reading of God's word. And we'll begin in verse 11. And our brother Paul tells us, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh are the ones who would compel you to be circumcised, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. For even the circumcised don't keep the law themselves. And yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. But as for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The world has been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. May peace 
come to all those who follow this standard and mercy even to the Israel of God. And from now on, let no one cause me trouble because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Holy Father, help us now as we, as we learn what it means to have the grace of your Son, the Messiah, the Chosen One, the Beloved One, the Eternal Son of God, the Christ, be with us now and tomorrow. And may the grace of Christ be with our spirits now. Help us, King Jesus. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I don't think anyone will be offended by what I'm about to say, but the kiosk workers at malls have the worst sales tactics in Western civilization. <laughs> and knowing you is their strategy. Eye contact is our first mistake. And they're repeated, sir, 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 sir. I don't want the lotion, okay? I don't need my mani-pedi in the middle of the mall. But some people really do have a gift with sales. And when you've been around a good salesperson, they can convince you of almost anything. They're likable, personable, they're warm. And you walk away thinking, we are best friends. <laughs> We're totally gonna hang out. He's really sticking it to his boss, not to me, not to the person that's giving him his actual salary. We're best buddies. Legalists and Satan have incredible sales tactics. Beloved, real Christianity and phony religion look a lot alike, but they couldn't be more different. And in this passage, God wants you to know the difference so you can spot phony religion and when people try to push it on you and that you won't crave it, you won't buy into their sales techniques, you won't be duped. Phony religion is really marked by this key point, manifested in three different ways throughout the passage, but this is kind of the big bucket of phony religion. It's self-serving. It is a self-serving religion. And Paul says, avoid it. Avoid self-serving religion. Look at verse 11. The apostle Paul says, look at what large letters I use as I write to you in my own handwriting. So here's what's happening. Scholars think Paul typically dictated his letters. He'd be in prison. It's not like he's got an extra scroll and ink pen laying around. People would be hanging out with him. He would talk through the bars. Write this down. This is what I want to send to Corinth. This is what I want to send to Galatia. Now, remember, the, the book of Galatians is going to a network of churches throughout Galatia. So this would not be an abnormal thing for this letter to be dictated and sent to all these churches. But now Paul grabs the pen and says, I want to write this part. Guards aren't looking. Let me write it. Writes it down. Do you notice how big my handwriting is? So remember, this letter is being spread around. And what would happen when they received this letter, they would go, guys, the church would gather. We got a letter from Paul. And a brother would get up and he'd begin to read this letter. And if you've been with us the whole time throughout the book of Galatians, or maybe you haven't, it's okay. There's, there's things he's been saying that they would be reading out loud. Where Paul says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by his grace. 
They'd keep reading and where Paul would say, you must be bewitched by the voodoo of legalism that you would think Jesus plus your works, circumcision, law-keeping, dietary code, that that would save you. The brother would keep reading where Paul says, on all these false teachers, they're going to end up in hell. They'd keep reading where Paul would tell them about the fruit of the spirit, that Paul, that Christ is the one who redeems us from the curse of the law. And then they'd get to this part. Look at what large letters I use as I write to you. So you can imagine that brother reading that out loud. And I think just like a good kindergartner teacher, what would they do? Let me show you. Here's the big letters Paul's using. Because he's reading this out loud. So, hey, Paul wants you to see. Look at the large letters he's using. Why? Why does he turn now to big block letters? Why does he trace those letters over and over and over for emphasis, for them to see. Because Paul is basically saying right here, can you tell I'm writing in all caps? Can you tell I'm bolding, highlighting, and underlining? When you get an email or a text with all caps, you know what's happening. Either this person's psychotic or they're yelling. Someone uses a lot of exclamation marks. You know, this person either is willy-nilly with their punctuation all the time or this person is fired up. So Paul now says, I am writing in all caps. Do you see how fired up I am? Because phony religion drives Paul crazy. It drives Jesus crazy. You see it in the Sermon on the Mount. It should drive us crazy. Phony religion should, your phony religion should drive you crazy. And Paul says we can see it in this first way, verse 12. Those who want to make a good impression in the flesh. These false teachers, they're the ones that are teaching these churches that believing in Jesus plus circumcision plus doing this work of Jewishness, that's what's keeping the law, that's what really saves you. Paul says, listen, here's what you need to know about them. These false teachers, they just want to look important. They just want to be seen a certain way by you. They're using you. They're using you for their egos. Phony religion craves impressing others. Phony religion craves impressing others. Wanting to be seen as spiritual. Maybe in a small group, instead of speaking from the heart or with a friend, instead of being open and honest, you fret and panic over how to say something, how to phrase it, so you don't look like who you really are. It's phony religion. It's living for the good impression, the right impression for the moment. Not who I really am, not what's really going on, but what I can say so I can Make the right impression now. Wanting to be seen as theologically minded. Acting the part. Doing something that fits the moment. Getting that prayer voice tuned up. And Paul says, you know why they do all this? You know why these false teachers actually preach circumcision? It's for themselves. Not you. They want you to think they are great teachers and have insights to the law, but they are duping you. In fact, they're so selfish. Look at what they're doing. 
They compel you to be circumcised, but only, verse 12, but only to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. They're actually wimps, Paul says. This is the second element of funny religion. It avoids persecution. Bible Belt religion with all of its phoniness is safe for the whole family. If there's one thing we should all be learning about Christianity in the United States of America, it is not safe for you or for your family. You will become an outcast. You will be ostracized. You will be hated. And these false teachers want to avoid persecution because they care more about being embarrassed than they do exalting the name of Jesus. And if we're honest, a lot of that has happened in our lives too. And I know every single one of us, we've done a lot of embarrassing things. I've seen your throwback Thursday pictures. I've seen your hair or when you had hair. I've seen your outfits and I see mine. Totally embarrassing. These neon shorts and lightning bolt t-shirts, mullets and on and on, we can go. It was totally in then, fit the moment, but now eh, it's kind of embarrassing. And this is what happens with a lot of Bible about religion. Jesus seemed so vital to you when your life was at its lowest point. But now that your life is leveled out, eh, it was good then. I mean, needed him then, but it's kind of old hat now. So we draw back. Some of the commands of Christ, some of the things in the Bible, oh man, it's, it's just too embarrassing. I can't bring that up. I can't talk about it. But when we draw back, making known this radical news bulletin of the cross of Christ, this one bloody cross and this one empty tomb. And we don't speak up and say, no, actually being a good person won't save you. And we don't say to that family member, no, Aunt Tietam, all religions aren't basically the same. And we don't actually say to that friend, no, you need to know that the Jesus of Mormonism and the Jesus of Jehovah's Witnesses is not the Jesus of the New Testament. And we don't tell that coworker over lunch, yes, you must believe in Christ and his death and resurrection and you'll be saved and you'll be forgiven. He'll forgive you. When we draw back from that moment, because we want to maintain that good impression, we want to avoid social persecution Paul says, it's phony religion. I really do think if some of us were as bold with the gospel as we are with our political views, revival might break out. But we draw back because we're serving ourselves, maintaining our status, maintaining a safe Christianity. The false teachers, Paul says, they do this because they're threatened by the Jewish leaders. They don't want to be pelted with rocks like I have been. They don't want to be an outcast. Legalism looks for the loophole of acceptance with the world. Legalism is always looking for the loophole. People don't mind a religion that's, hey, you believe and you do. That's what makes you safe. That is every other religion in the world. It's Buddhism, that's Scientology, it's Mormonism, it's Jehovah's Witnesses. You do this and you believe, you're good. The world loves that. And that's what legalism is. But if you preach the cross, you preach a crucified rabbi king who isn't a corpse anymore as the only way to be saved, and people will look at you weird. 
People will think you are out of step. They will push you aside. They will penalize you at work and maybe even pelt you with rocks. It happened to Paul. And here's what we really need to realize about Christianity today. You know, we think, we believe a lot of things that are so against the world. And what we need to realize today is that real Christianity does not sync up with any political platform perfectly. I heard a brother say this past week, you know, the Psalms tell us to kiss the sun, pay homage to the sun, lest you die. And a lot of us think that kissing a donkey or the elephant is the way to life. But it is not. Phony Christianity, however, is great with the Democratic Party. And phony Christianity is great with the Republican Party too. Our views, Christianity's views of marriage, sexuality, gender, racial reconciliation, the sanctity of life and pregnancy, these are out of step with the world. And we shouldn't be embarrassed by them because you know why? We believe something even more embarrassing. We believe something even more freaky to the world. Listen, if you are a Christian this morning, do you realize that you actually believe that the eternal son of God was born of a virgin? Step one, crazy. Step two, crazy. He was crucified by the Roman government and his body turned back on three days later. And he forgives whoever believes. Next step, crazy. We believe that he flew back into heaven without any mechanics. And we believe that one day he is going to descend from the sky on a white horse with a legion of angels behind him. And he will be wearing a robe dipped in blood with a name written on his thigh that we cannot read. And he has authority to judge the world. We believe weird things and we love them because he is faithful and true, because he is the alpha and the omega. He is the beginning and the end. So let's not pretend that our views on marriage, that's the embarrassing thing in the culture. Don't back down from the freakishness of your faith. Rejoice in it. Don't be a hypocrite like the legalist. Verse 13, for even the circumcised, these people who are preaching Jesus plus works, Jesus plus circumcision, they don't keep the law themselves. They don't even do all the things they say you should do. All phony religion is a prop. It's hypocrisy. It has the appearance of godliness, but it's just a thin candy shell. But you know what phony religion really cares about? This is really the heart of phony religion. Stats, metrics. Look at what Paul says. And yet they want you to be circumcised in order to boast about your flesh. They just want to brag about how many people they've converted to Judaism. They just want to boast about how many people they signed up. Legalism is a pyramid scheme, friends. It is the quintessential multi-level marketing ploy run by the serpent himself. Phony Bible Belt religion finds its comfort in metrics. How much Bible have I read this year? This week? Okay, whew, I'm good. How many books have I read? Have I read the right books? How much did I serve? How much did I give? Running the numbers, 
tabulating it, seeing if I'm righteous or not. Okay, I'm definitely got a right standing before God. I mean, I read a ton of Bible this year. Or the inverse. Maybe I don't have a right standing before God. I haven't read as much Bible as he has, she has. Listen, reading, praying, serving, giving, these are vital to growth, but they don't make you righteous. Christ alone. This is the battle of the book. Christ alone makes us righteous. And listen, I know that we struggle with these things internally, but I want you to know, churches and pastors are the worst at it. We're the worst. There are some pastor circles I get into and it's all about the numbers. What are you running? What are you running at Redeemer? How many services you got? Three? Wow. Like, don't be impressed with our three services. We meet in a shoebox, okay? <laughs> how, how many baptisms you have? What's your budget? This is real. And sometimes, you know what? I, I think what I'm going to start doing now, after when they start asking me, I go, yeah, yeah. Oh, how, how many did you circumcise last year? <laughs> now, it's tough here. I mean, we put an info, I, I'm very well aware of our church. We put an infographic out the last two years that show attendance and giving to missions, new members and baptisms. And so we, we have to search our hearts and not find any self-congratulatory parasites lurking. And if we do, we kill them. And I think our elders and church staff, we don't. That is an effort for, for us to praise God knowing it's God's work. And it was even Lawson's idea to put, on the, on, to put the verse there from Paul's letter to the Corinthians. We, God gives the growth. And beloved, maybe you saw last, a couple weeks ago on social media I, that I put out that 627 souls were here on Easter Sunday. Here, pulling into that parking lot, coming into these buildings and just marveling at God's mercy. And I wrestled with posting that because I didn't want to come off as counting the circumcisions, counting and boasting in the numbers. But I did it for us so we could all be corporately amazed at God's work among us and to encourage us, we need to keep giving to our new building. Our time here is up. See, Bible Belt religion boasts in the wrong things. It pushes it gives you a manual for how to swim when you're drowning. It gives a cookbook to a starving man. It gives you salt water when you need fresh water. It sells you a corroded AAA battery you pulled out of a kid's toy when what you really need is a nuclear reactor. See, phony religion kind of looks the part, but it's not even close. So avoid it, beloved. And here's the best way Paul tells us. We die to it with a duet a duo of crucifixion. Look at verse 14. But as for me, Paul says, you know how, why I don't boast in the flesh, why I haven't drawn back from persecution, why I don't care about making a good impression. As for me, I will never boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, you know what I'm gonna boast in? You know what I'm gonna puff up my chest about? my chest collapsing on the cross with Christ. I'm gonna to point to a pair of lungs collapsing on the cross as he was asphyxiated, dying for my sins. 
I've got nothing else to make known. I've got nothing else to make much of, but one thing, one thing I want to make much of, and it's the cross of Jesus Christ. This is his boast. This is his declaration, his obsession. And in the first century, we don't understand how bizarre this is. We are 20 centuries away, distance from the brutality of the Roman Empire. And for Paul to travel city to city and boast in the cross is insane to them. And John Piper helps us understand this. It'd be like today, a man saying, I boast in public execution. I preach it. I spread the news of it. My whole life exists because of it. Just, a man, just imagine a man traveling around saying, I boast in the electric chair. I make much of lethal injection. The noose. I glory in the noose. I even wear a mini gold noose necklace. And all my friends and I, we tattooed nooses on our wrists. We would think, this guy's crazy. Paul is crazy. He is crazy for Jesus Christ. This is how odd and crazy Paul and Peter and John and the early church in Rome sounded as they talk about the cross of Jesus of Nazareth. Not just any cross, but this one cross. Why? Why is it such a big deal? Verse 14. So I boast in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ because it is a portal, it is a window into this element. The world has been crucified to me through the cross. So I said a duet, we die to, with a duet of crucifixion. This is the first part. Paul says when the cross of Christ opens us up into a panoramic picture of two hills, two Golgothas, two places of the skull. And Paul says, and I look at one and I see something on the cross gasping for air, powerless, stripped naked, shame laid open. Paul gets closer and says, I see it and it's the world. It's the world system, what the world offers, what the world promises, what the world teases. It's trinkets, it's passions, it's lust, it's lies. It's way of being made popular. It's way of finding success. It's, it's promises of comfort and religion. And Paul looks at all and says, you are dying. You've got nothing to offer me, world. All of the empty promises of the world, all the empty promises of satisfaction and happiness and true life and success, Paul says, you've got nothing. You have died to me. Because of Christ, I have everything. I've gained all that's his. I'm righteous. I'm accepted. I don't need to make a good impression. I've been accepted by God. Persecute me all you want. I'm already dead and raised with Christ. I'm loved. I have an inheritance. I've been forgiven. World, you're dead to me. I have a new world coming. And then the other voice of the duet comes in. Look what Paul says. The world's been crucified to me through the cross and I to the world. There's another hill. And what's being crucified on this hill? Paul says, me. Me to the world. The world looks at me and says, ha, you're so weak. You have nothing. You're a loser, Paul. You're a wretch. You have nothing to offer. You have nothing to gain. Paul doesn't fit our mold. Paul doesn't, Paul's just out of step with us. 
that Paul, this Jesus fixator, he doesn't fit with us. Get him out of here. He is dead. And Paul says, I agree. I am dead. And I'm dead with Christ. And now I'm raised with Christ. And me and the world don't jive anymore. We're dead to each other. And this is true of you. Because now you're alive with Christ. Paul says, I love the cross of Christ because it set me free. Jesus set me free when he died for me. Jesus set me free when he rose for me. My whole life is transformed by the cross of Christ is yours. Is your whole life transformed by the cross of Christ? This is the final and ever important distinction in phony religion versus real Christianity. It's verse 15. For both circumcision and uncircumcision mean nothing. What matters instead is a new creation. Listen, friends, real Christianity isn't a tune-up. It's transformation. Real Christianity isn't a tune-up. It's transformation. What's happening in this book is people are preaching, telling these Christians Circumcision will save you. Paul says, no, it doesn't. Circumcision doesn't save you. It doesn't make you right with God. And neither does uncircumcision, because that's our, that's our tendency. Oh, that doesn't work? Okay, I'll do the opposite of that. Paul says, no, that, that's not what works. We could apply this in a thousand different ways. Abstaining from alcohol or responsibly enjoying alcohol mean nothing in terms of right standing before God. Schooling choices, amount of Bible reading, giving to the church, our good works performed, mean zilch in terms of being made righteous before God. See, beloved, phony religion puts an emphasis on the outward, 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 outward. Change this, add this, delete that, edit this. You're good. But real Christianity says, no, inward. You need to be a new creation. That's what matters. The message of radical grace is that your character, your life choices don't just need a tune-up. You need an overhaul. You need transformation. You must be born again. You must be made a new creation. You must turn from your sins. Turn from your past life and look to the living Jesus and cry out like a newborn baby, save me. Save me. I've been in that room when that newborn baby comes out and that wretched scream comes out, it's alive. And that first scream of someone who's been born again is that, save me. I believe. Save me, Jesus. Save me from my sins. Have you done that? Have you done that? Or have you just been getting tune-ups on Sunday for years? We are not a spiritual body shop. 
I'm no mechanic. My friends can tell you that. But I can point you to the maker. That's my job. Because the Bible says, if there is anyone in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. And see, the new has come. The reality is your past life, your choices, your sins, they will send you to hell. But you can be a new creation. Not just a tune-up. You can be transformed. You can be made a new creation today. No more phony religion. No more Sundays of tune-up after tune-up after tune-up. You can be made a new creation today. Believe. Look to Jesus. I believe you died for my sins. And you rose again. And now I'm a new creation. I've been forgiven. The old has passed. It's done. The new is here. I am brand new today. There are many of us who are new creations. And some of you, that's what must come for you. And the peace will be yours. No more phony religion. In fact, don't even let that garbage bother you anymore. That's what Paul says. Look at verse 16. May peace come to all who follow this standard that you need to be a new creation. That this is the major change we need in our life. Not a tune-up, a new creation. And peace will be yours. Don't waste your time with legalism. Don't waste your time with phony religion. That's what Paul says in 17. From now on, let no one cause me trouble. I'm sick of this stuff. As Paul says. Because I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. I don't want to be bothered by legalism and its lies anymore. Look at my body. I've got the scars all over it that prove I preached the cross. As he was pelted with rocks, whipped, left for dead. Paul says, I have the real deal message. And his final encouragement to us is verse 18. Brothers and sisters, may your good works be with you. No. Brothers and sisters, may you find comfort in that prayer you prayed. No. Brothers and sisters, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. May his grace be with you. We begin by grace. That's how this letter began. Grace to you. And Paul says, as you leave, Grace be with you. Grace be with you. We go by grace. We finish by grace. I've started using this as my new email signature. May the grace of Christ be with your spirit. Because that's what I need to hear, be reminded of. That when I sin, the grace of Christ is with me now. When I'm discouraged, The grace of Christ is with me. When I feel like I don't measure up, when I start living for the good impression, when I start wanting to be as good as X, Y, Z or or being just like so-and-so, no, the grace of Christ is with my spirit. This is the great message of our lives with Christ. He's with us. And when this message of grace hits your heart that I am righteous only and totally because of Christ, you, it will be with your spirit and it will lift you to new heights of joy. And I'm, I'm not trying to sell you on it like some mall kiosk worker. I'm just a preacher. 
And so may the grace of Christ be with your spirit. Don't live for phony religion. Crucify it. Because you've been, you've been crucified to the world and the world's been crucified to you. Live as that new creation. And maybe today you need to ask the Lord to remake you, to make you a new creation. Beloved, may the grace of Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Let's pray together. Thank you for listening. To find out more information about our church, visit us at makingmuchofjesus.org.